morning, everybody. Welcome to In-Town Community Church and uh, the first of our Zoom seminars for the Philemon Project. Um, let me introduce you to some special guests. Uh, we will introduce uh, Stephen Gilchrist here in just a moment. Stephen's with me. Uh, let me let everybody know that um, in order to do this safely, Stephen and I are spaced out a bit. We're wearing these lovely shields and uh, we're keeping air flowing through the room using a fan. So if you occasionally hear a little bit of background noise, it's that fan moving and um, apologize for that, but trying to do that so that we can stay safe. Steven and I do like each other better than this. Yeah, we, do. we don't normally sit with big plants <laughs> in between us, but uh, today that's what we have to do. So thank you for joining us. We want to take a moment um, to, uh, to meet the other members of our team. The Philemon Project is a, a team effort. Four of us have been working together since uh, the summer of 2020 so that we could uh, bring you some of the challenges of a part of scripture that is very brief but really important in terms of its implications for us. It's the book of Philemon. Um, I think we all say Philemon. I know that when I talk to other people who uh, learn scripture in a different part of the world, Philemon is a common pr pronunciation of that name. Hmm. So uh, we're going to say that the correct American mispronunciation is Philemon, and uh, we'll be using that. So I want to take a minute uh, to let two members of the team who are in different parts of the country introduce themselves. So Thurman Williams, we're going to start with you. Thurman is in St. Louis, Missouri. Thurman, introduce yourself to everyone. Thanks for joining us. Sure, man. Thanks. Thanks much, Jimmy, for having me. Um, I appreciate it. And it's been really fun for us to be talking over these last several months and get to know each other um, better, as well as get to know Philemon, Philemon, however um, we want to pronounce it. I'm, I'm a pastor in St. Louis at New City West End. It's a church that we planted in May of 2019. And uh, and actually, Jimmy, I'm actually in Gra at Grace Peoria this morning. Really? I don't know if you know those guys. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I'm preaching, then I got to run home after this is over. Um, but I'm glad to, to be on and glad to see your faces. I saw a Rhiannon in there, a name. There you go. I, I only know we have a, a woman here in our ministry named Rhiannon. And so that's you're the only other one I've, I've ever met. So good to see you. Is it from the song too? Is that where the, your name, the inspiration for that? Well, Thurman, you'll, you'll get a chance to meet Rhiannon in um, a couple of weeks. She's going to serve as the moderator when we do a panel discussion with all of us. She's agreed to, to be the moderator and keep that conversation going. So um, you'll, get, you'll get a chance to interact with her in a couple of weeks. All so right. As next weekend. Yeah, hey. that's right. So, uh, hey, I hope your ministry of preaching in Peoria, Illinois, goes great today. So, Thank you. Uh, Thank yeah. You. Thanks for joining us from there. No problem. So I'm going to jump off after I hear from Dr. Luke. Okay. <laughs> Luke Bobo, Luke Bobo, tell us are, which side of the border are you on today? Are you in Kansas City, Kansas or Kansas City, Missouri? That's an important distinction. Do we need to unmute, unmute Luke? There Sorry, I, I muted myself so I wouldn't drown out Thurman. I'm on the Kansas side. There's a Kansas City, Missouri. 
There's a Kansas City, Kansas. I know that's very creative, right? <laughs> so I'm on the Kansas side. Good morning uh, in town. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, my bio is on your website, so I will not bother um, going through that. I will say how I met your pastor. Uh, he was my Greek New Testament professor at Covenant. And here's my Greek New Testament. I'm still uh, suffering from trauma, taking that class <laughs> with him. No, truthfully, uh, your pastor has endeared himself to me for, for two reasons. Number one, his devotions in class. He would often talk about his mess ups as a husband. He would often bring up Trisha, and I was dying to meet Trisha. And um, I'm just happy to meet her virtually, of course. And then you need to email me for the second reason. Um, you can get my email address from Jimmy, <laughs> but he, he did something for a class that was so unusual, so humbling that I often use that illustration when I teach about being a good leader. So um, a shout out to Jason Kane. I didn't see him on the line. Jason took a class from me last fall, apologetics and outreach. I teach an online course for Covenant and uh, he, he tolerated me. So I hope uh, he's okay. I hope he wasn't traumatized, but do uh, pray for us. This is, this is an experiment and uh, we pray that we are closer uh, these four brothers at the end of this and not further apart. God bless you. Yeah. Thanks, Luke. Um, Got to compliment your choice of neckwear today. <laughs> looking sharp, looking sharp. <laughs> I wore this in your honor, Jimmy. Oh, man, I, I get it. I love it. But yeah. I would not wear it again. <laughs> no, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that at all. It's, it's low up in the rotation. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to have Stephen Gilchrist introduce himself now. Good morning in town. Uh, I am thankful and grateful to be here. I've been here numerous times, spending time with Steve and Rebecca uh, in uh, Rooted Ministry. Um, just happy to be here. Excited to be a part of this. This has been brewing for a long time. And so we are ready to uh, just sort of unload on you what the Lord has been teaching us. And uh, we just thank you for listening, for jumping on. Um, we just excited to, to get ready and get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I will take a moment to, uh, to say welcome to everyone. Uh, we're speaking as though uh, we're, we're introducing ourselves to InTown, InTown Community Church. We are hosting the Philemon Project over the next 10 weeks. But um, I suspect that there are folks who are not part of our congregation who are joining us today. We're glad for that. want to. Uh, just open the door for anybody to invite others in and uh, love to have you. My name is Jimmy Egan. I'm the senior pastor here at InTown Community Church and privileged to know Thurman and Luke and Stephen and work together um, to, uh, to use this part of the New Testament, the epistle from the Apostle Paul to a man named Philemon to unpack a lot of key issues from scripture and application for our lives today. Um, and to get us started with that, Stephen's going to pray for us. Yes, let, let's consecrate this time. Father, we thank you because you have given us so much. You have been at work uh, already this morning. And so we thank you. We, we ask that 
all that we say and do bring you glory. Jesus, we we ask that you were high and lifted up through our conversation, through our time, through this this time of talking that will produce worship. Um, and Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us all, those viewing and those speaking with your spirit. Help us to strive to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And all those things we pray, amen. Amen. So uh, just to dive into what we're doing today, do Luke preach, preach well sermon? Amen. As Luke would say, preach the roof off that sucker. <laughs> there we go. Um, so the Apostle Paul wrote 13 letters uh, to preach the gospel uh, throughout the Roman Empire in the first century to different churches and individuals. The very last one uh, in our New Testament is this little letter to a man named Philemon, and it's 25 verses long. Um, so question that Stephen and I are going to unpack right now is over the next 10 weeks, where are we going uh, as we use that little letter to launch us into lots of issues? And why is it going to take us 10 weeks to get there? Um, so we'll, we're going to start with that question, unpack it a little bit. And we thought the best place to begin was to actually just read the scripture. So we're going to read the whole book uh, of Philemon. It's 25 verses. Uh, follow along if you have your own Bible. Uh, we hopefully will see the text here on the screen. And Stephen's going to read for us. Yes. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel but I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, 
charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Thanks, Stephen. So Stephen and I thought we would talk through three reasons this morning uh, that would explain where we're going over the next 10 weeks and why it's going to take us 10 weeks to get there, why it's worth spending 10 weeks on a letter that's 25 verses long. And uh, the first is that the text itself raises some complex issues. Um, one of them is hinted at in a difference that you might have heard between what Stephen read and if you were following along in the ESV, the English Standard Version translation, you caught a difference at verse 16, where the ESV refers to Onesimus as a bond servant. And the, the verse says, you know, Paul, Paul wants to return Onesimus not as a bond servant, but better than a bond servant as a brother. And instead, Stephen said, not a slave, but a brother. So already there's an issue of translation that comes up. How will English translations translate the Greek word there uh, that means slave? And if, as the ESV does, you use bondservant, then already you're suggesting maybe a couple things. One thing you're suggesting is that the Bible's kind of irrelevant because who talks like that today? Hey. And um, so that's one of the reasons that we talked as a team and said, when we read this text, with all due respect to the translators of the ESV, we're going to say a different word here. We're going to say the word slave. Now, that immediately raises another issue, that in the Western world, in the 21st century, when you say slave, you have now, you've got to now deal with a whole host of issues related to Western history and slave trade and uh, this sort of triangle trade from Britain and Africa and uh, the Caribbean and the United States and, and all of that history. And along with it comes racism and racial injustice. And sometimes those issues can be pretty uncomfortable and we'd rather not deal with them. So maybe let's just say bondservant. But we don't want to do that. We don't want to dodge the issues. We feel like this book of scripture is here exactly to press us into those kinds of issues. And so the text itself raises some pretty complex subject matter. And, uh, and it launches us into other parts of the Bible. What does the rest of the scripture have to say about slavery? And what are the implications for racial justice and reconciliation in our own time? So those are issues we want to deal with. And uh, we can't do all that in one week. So one of the places we're going is to explore some of the complexities of the text. Yeah. The next thing that I would say in terms of um, where are we going and why is it going to take us 10 weeks to get there? Um, is that there's a complex history of the use and misuse of this text. 
So one misuse of the book of Philemon over the centuries has been to use this book to justify slavery, right? To, to seize on verse 16 and say, see, uh, I can be a Christian slaveholder who says that my slave is both my brother and my slave at the same time. And so I can use the laws of my land or I can use the customs of my society to uh, treat this person unjustly and inhumanely, but kind of say spiritually, well, they're my brother. And I don't let that spiritual part change, change the other relationship and push back on my culture or my society. Um, in the history of uh, the United States around the Civil War, sadly, this part of the Bible was used in that way. Some white uh, people who would have claimed to be Christians and claimed to be following the scriptures would have turned to this book to say, see, it's okay for me to be a slaveholder and, um, and to not really worry about applying the gospel to how I think about this part of culture and society. Uh, the four of us, the four team members, we don't think that's a right use of this part of the Bible. We believe, in fact, the opposite. We believe that it'll take uh, 10 weeks, but we can show you how this part of the Bible and other parts of Scripture sow the seeds that lead to the destruction of slavery, a, an utter incompatibility between the Christian gospel and slavery. And um, But this is a part of the way that this text has been misused yeah. over time. Yeah. Um, it's also misused sometimes in another way, and Stephen and I came up with a shorthand in a conversation this week, um, confusing empire with kingdom. Stephen, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we, we sort of saw a, a glimpse of that um, early in January uh, when we had some people storming the Capitol um, and, you know, pushing aside all, all the things that came with that. You know, we saw signs of people um, saying Jesus saves or something about the religion of uh, Christianity. And, and um, that, that's really where we see someone confusing um, and trying to impose the, the, this inspired text um, onto this government and saying, hey, you, because we are part of this kingdom now, you must, you know, get in line because this is what seems right to us. And we want to make sure that, that this text isn't being imposed, you know, and or hmm. isogeted in any sort of way, but we're trying to keep the, the empire. We don't want the kingdom, which is what we are citizens of. We don't want that to to sort of overlay this government, right? We are also citizens of America, and we want to be faithful kingdom citizens. And then using that to then work and play and move and vote within the empire. And so that's just yeah. something a little brief. Mm -hmm. historical moment that happened very recently that will allow us to not, you know, confuse the two. Yeah, so if we think of uh, this little epistle of Philemon written in the context of the Roman Empire uh, to people, many of whom were citizens of the empire and some of whom weren't. So mm -hmm. Philemon would have been a citizen of the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. Onesimus was not. Onesimus was enslaved. And if you were enslaved, you were not a citizen of the empire. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's a new allegiance that's called for on the part of Christians, that our first allegiance isn't to the empire. Our first allegiance isn't to the political structure or the culture or the uh, ethnic background. Our first allegiance is to Jesus. Yeah. And uh, sometimes those lines get blurred 
And uh, people want to jump too quickly from what the text is saying to the people of God and, and jump straight into politics and economics. And we believe there are implications and applications there. But first, we want to start with what does this book written for the people of God have to say to the people of God about how we need to repent, about where we need to pursue deeper relationships with one another across different uh, lines of ethnicity, background, socioeconomic background. Mm. And um, so let's not jump too quickly to the uh, political and to the economic. We're going to get there, mm. but we got to start with working right here in our hearts. What does it mean to put Christ first in everything? Mm. And how is that going to repair and heal uh, relationships within the church? And then that becomes something that can overflow and heal relationships outside the church yeah. in our cities and our communities and um, in our world. So we don't want to confuse those two in a way that we jump too quickly from one to the other. Yeah. Um, well, there's going to be uh, one last reason that it'll take us 10 weeks to, uh, to unpack some of these things. Where are we going? Why is it going to take us 10 weeks to get there? Well, we said that the text itself raises some pretty complex issues. We've also said that there's a, a complex history of the way this text has been used and misused over the centuries. We want to avoid those. And then a third reason is we want to deal with related texts from Scripture, and we want to deal with issues that are related to what's brought up here in Philemon, mm -hmm. but uh, launching out from here to other parts of Scripture mm -hmm. and to other questions about how do we interpret the Bible? How do we apply it? And uh, one rule of thumb that we're going to use is this. Uh, you can't say what a text in the Bible means until you know what it meant. Mm. That is, we can't say what it would mean for us today to live in light of the truth of Scripture until we understand what that truth meant when it was first written. Amen. And so we're going to have to be patient and slow down, and, and that will keep us from jumping too quickly uh, from some issues in the past to, to uh, issues in the present, and, and, and it'll make us patient. Um, so we're not going to limit ourselves in 10 weeks to just these 25 verses. Uh, next week, Thurman is going to preach for us a sermon uh, setting this text, Philemon, in its Old Testament context. How would Old Testament knowledge shape the way you read this book? So we'll look at some Old Testament passages. Yeah. Uh, the week after that, we'll do the same thing for some other parts of the New Testament. And we're going to be branching out to pull in related texts and issues. And let me unpack a word that Stephen used uh, earlier. You said something about uh, eisegesis. Yes. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, it's, it's never a good thing. It's never a good it's thing. never a good thing. What is eisegesis? Uh, that, that's when we, we impose something into the text. It's when we have these ideas in our mind. Um, and it can be good and right ideas, but we're actually making the text say something in the 21st century that it never meant in the first century. And th that's something we want to steer clear of. Yeah. So a little Greek lesson. Uh, as Luke Bobo said earlier, that's uh, one of the things that I've done in the past is, is to teach Greek. Uh, the word exegesis means interpretation, uh, but it starts with the Greek word ek, meaning out of, where the, the ideal is to pull the meaning out of the text, let the text speak to you. And eisegesis, which is a word you'll hear Stephen use sometimes, is just the opposite. It is bringing the meaning you want to find into the text 
and discovering it there because you brought it with you and put it there. Mm. And, and essentially we're making a commitment over these two, these 10 weeks that we, um, we, we want to see what the text means. Right. We don't want to make it say what we want it to mean. Right. And so we won't treat this text as though it, um, it is this uh, sort of horrible, mm. sort of horrible artifact that proves that Christianity is bankrupt morally. Mm. We don't believe that's true. We don't believe that's the framework from which this was written. Yeah. But we're also not going to treat it as though it's kind of a first century abolitionist document uh, that could have been written by 19th century people living in Britain who were uh, teamed up with William Wilberforce in, in his abolition movement. Mm -hmm. We're going to make the case that that movement came about because of the teachings of the gospel mm -hmm. and because of teachings of the scriptures. Yeah. But uh, we think it'd be wrong to, to, uh, to treat this text as though it was written uh, in the 19th century or the 20th. It's a right. first century document. So we're yeah. gonna have to take, take time to read the text on its own terms and uh, do exegesis, not eisegesis. And then the next thing we wanna do is, you know, make sure you guys know where we're coming from. Uh, I believe Jimmy has made that pretty clear, but we also wanna make sure it's never assumed. We, we want you guys to hear it from us. And so there are really two pillars that we're coming from. One is Jesus and the other one is the gospel. Now, why does that matter? Because the gospel is our baseline foundation, right? This is what we say we believe. This is what should govern our hearts and our, our, our daily activity, et cetera. Um, and in that gospel, we find the, the one and only true and faithful Jesus Christ. He, he is the one that we, we worship. He is the one that we adore. He is our savior. He is our Lord. Uh, we, we, we never want this book as we, we dive in more and more week by week to become something where you lose sight of Jesus, right? Uh, we, we shouldn't as believers ever lose sight of him. Uh, and our, our faith, our, our speech and our action should always track us back to the gospel. That's, that's our one hope, especially in these times of COVID and, and different things going on in our country. Our hope is the gospel, amen? Our hope is Jesus Christ. And so yeah. we want you to hear that from us. This is what we are committed to. We are always going to point back to him. We will always uh, make sure that the gospel is being uh, explained and, and being tied into uh, these, these sermons and seminars that we are doing. Yeah. So uh, even just to point that out in detail from what uh, Stephen read for us earlier, um, if you look at Philemon, you look at the first verse. Hang on. Got to do that lick the finger thing, but the face shield's in the way. Um, Verse one says, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, right? And so this book opens with that good news about Jesus. Yeah. Jesus has come into the world. He's the king. He's the Lord. He's right. the Messiah. And then we jump all the way to the other end and um, do that thing again. Verse 25, it says, the, the, the book closes by saying, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now, um, time for another little Greek lesson. The word your in that verse is plural. It refers not to just Philemon, not just one person reading this book. It refers to the whole church. Yeah. And uh, so what Stephen is saying, hey, we want Jesus Christ to be the focus of all 10 weeks of the Philemon project. 
That's not eisegesis. He's not reading that emphasis into the text. We're letting that emphasis come out of the text. Yeah. Now, we had to discipline ourselves because, Stephen, I don't know what it's like in, um, in the churches that you've been a part of, but uh, sometimes we consider these first and last verses of a New Testament letter uh -huh. to be kind of throwaway, mm. right? Uh -huh. Like the important stuff is is somewhere else. Yeah. But you know that's just the throwaway stuff. Right. But it's not throwaway. No. Right. Paul is telling us the main thing he wants us to know. Right. In verse one and in verse twenty-five. Right. And everything that comes in between yeah. is governed by that. Hey, those right? are the bookends, right? Yeah. Yeah. The bookends. So start to finish, this little letter is about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And that grace has something to say yeah. to Philemon, uh, who is a slaveholder. And it has something to say to Onesimus, who is enslaved. And it has something to say to the whole church yeah. as they watch this relationship between those two men be reshaped by the gospel. Yeah. And uh, that's going to have something to say to us today as well. Amen. Um, so one thing that uh, we say sometimes at InTown is that because we're committed to Jesus, we are also committed to the scriptures. There are a couple of reasons for that. One is where would we know Jesus if not for the scriptures, right? If, if we didn't have the scriptures to teach us about Jesus, to point us toward him, then all we could know of Jesus is maybe what Hollywood would offer us or maybe what uh, we would want Jesus to be but we need to know the real Jesus. Who was he intended to be? Amen. The Old Testament tells us that as it points forward to his coming. Who was he actually? The gospels tell us that, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then how did he intend his coming to shape his people, the church, and ultimately the world? The, the rest of the New Testament shows us that. We love the scriptures because we love Jesus. Yes. So where are we coming from? Uh, we are coming from a commitment to the authority of Scripture. Mm. Um, you're hearing my voice, but I'm speaking on behalf of our whole team. Yeah. Thurman believes that. He is committed to the authority of Scripture. Luke Bobo believes that. He's committed to the authority of Scripture. Stephen believes that. I do as well. And so... <clears throat> This is why it's so important that we go back to ground we covered already and to say that we're committed to not making this part of Scripture say what we want it to. Uh, frankly, if I could make this part of Scripture say what I want it to, then <laughs> I, I might just get rid of the whole slavery issue altogether. Yeah. I might just take all those parts out of the Bible and say, can we just ignore those? Because I think it would make my life a lot easier. Yeah. If, if I could just ignore some of that and not have to deal with it as a Christian pastor. Mm. Um, but we're committed to not, to not doing that. Mm. We want to stand under the authority of the scriptures and let them speak to us. Mm. So we're not going to make it say what we want it to say. Let me give an example of where we saw that this week. Um, on our uh, website, you'll, you'll see a web page that describes the Philemon Project. At the bottom of that is a, a list of resources that we would recommend. Uh, right now, we've got three resources there, and we'll keep uh, adding to that list as we go on through the weeks. But one of them is a commentary by a writer named Scott McKnight. You have this commentary? I do not have it in possession, but through the powerful system called Lagos, I've, uh, yes. I've had, I've had oh. access to it. 
Great. Okay. So we've been bouncing around, you know, what, what books are you using? What resources? And one of the things that we've decided is, Hey, if you guys are buying that commentary and using it, I'm going to buy a different one so that we can be learning from different sources and then swapping ideas. Um, But a a couple of us have bought this commentary by Scott McKnight and found it really helpful. One of the reasons you'll find it helpful if, uh, if you were to uh, use it is there's a, there's a, a good section at the beginning just describing what slavery was like in the context of the first century Roman Empire, um, which is helpful background. Yeah. And then it does a little bit of, of comparing that to uh, what McKnight calls new world slavery. So uh, slavery as we would tend to know it from the, the history of North and South America. And um, so helpful resource there. But there was something about McKnight's commentary that I, I, it wasn't sitting quite right with me. Um, these are issues that I began to study and look into when I was a PhD student, researching the servant language of the New Testament. And uh, that overlaps a good bit with slave vocabulary from the New Testament. So I, I did a good deal of study. So I've, I've got some background here and and McKnight kept saying something that wasn't sitting quite right with me. He kept, he kept speaking as though the book of Philemon wasn't opposed to slavery as a practice. Mm. And that's not my understanding of Philemon. It's not my understanding of the New Testament or the Bible as a whole. It's not my understanding of the gospel and the rule of Jesus as right. king and Lord. Um, <clears throat> So uh, I, I didn't quite write, like what I was reading in this commentary. And then I came to a part where McKnight said uh, that what he was talking about is, um, is that Paul wasn't writing for the purpose of changing the laws of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it clicked for me. And, and I realized that, uh, yeah, he's right. Paul was... Paul was writing a message that would have profound implications for how we live as citizens in a broken world, but he was writing primarily to address the church, and uh, and he was writing primarily to address a relationship between one man and his new brother. and uh, there are implications that ripple outward from there to the larger church, and that should spill over into larger society. But McKnight was right that Paul's primary reason for writing this wasn't to send a message to the Roman emperor so that he would rewrite the empire's laws. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, um, there, there were some changes to the laws of the Roman empire once um, Christianity began to impact uh, empire officials in later centuries, but that's another story. What, what really spoke to me in that moment was here, was here was Scott McKnight trying to interpret this text and apply it, and he was not going to let someone make it do something it wasn't intended to do. He was going to read it for what it is, not for what it isn't even for what he might have wished it would have been. So uh, there, there's a part of me and a part of McKnight, I think, that, that wishes that Paul had written a PS here that says, 
P.S. to the Roman em emperor, you don't knew, know me and you don't know my Lord Jesus, but it'd be a really cool thing if you would just abolish slavery in the Roman Empire right now forever. There are moments that we wish we found that here. That's not what we find. But there's a commitment to not make the text be something that it isn't. Let's read it for what it is. And then we're going to see the, the incredible implications of what it is. And, and that brings up a second point. Because we're committed to Scripture's authority, there are two sides to the coin. One is we're not going to make the text something it isn't. We're not going to make it say what we want it to say. But we also want to hear everything that it does say. Right? We want to hear everything the text says. And so... For you and for me today, it may not sound like a big deal when verse 16 says, Hey, Philemon, you're a slaveholder in the first century. I'm the Apostle Paul writing from this perspective of, of the good news about Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you that this person that you once viewed as only a piece of property as nothing more than a living tool, that he is now your brother. Now, for you and me, that sounds like not a very big deal. Uh, maybe because we call people brother all the time. Um, and maybe that's part of your culture, part of your customs. And uh, so instead of calling someone a friend, sign off the email that says, hey, brother. And uh, so we think that's not a big deal. But um, in the first century, that was a huge deal because in the first century, slaves were considered either completely not human. So they could have no meaningful human relationships because they were outside the human race. So they, they had no group to belong to. They belonged like property, not like family. And so now to speak into that context and say, brother is a little bit like, and you'll hear me say this again in our sermon later today, forgive me for repeating myself, but if you were to say to somebody, it's okay for you to commit arson as long as you don't burn anything, that, that, would, um, that would be shocking, right? That, that, would, that would be, uh, wait, I don't understand how these two things fit together. Yeah. And uh, that's, the, that's the impact that this little book was meant to have mm in the life of Philemon. Mm. Wait a minute. You're telling me that he was my slave and now he's my brother. Those two that those two things do not fit together. I, I, if, if you're telling me brother, that means a kind of relationship that, that my empire says doesn't apply to slavery. And uh, at that point, I think the apostle Paul is going to be nodding his head and going, yes, brother Philemon. Yes, that's you're on the right track. Mm. That's exactly exactly the profound impact that that one little word brother is meant to have so we want to hear everything that this text has to say yeah sometimes we read this part of scripture and we're more impressed by what it doesn't say right we, we wish it said more mm. about more explicitly that slavery and the gospel are completely incompatible well we're going to make the case over 10 weeks that that is what this book says. Yeah. If we have ears to hear it, mm. if we could read it 
like first century readers. Yeah. We will hear that. So we don't want to make the text say something that it doesn't mean. Mm. No eisegesis. Yeah. But we do want to hear everything that it has to say. All right. So I'm going to ask Stephen to speak to another issue here. Where are we coming from? Mm. And uh, we're saying we're coming from a perspective of focusing on Jesus. Verses 1 and 25 with those bookends, they require that of us. Yeah. Uh, we're coming from a place of being committed to the authority of Scripture. And we're also coming to a place of saying we believe that these Scriptures, even though they're ancient, 20 centuries old, 21 <laughs> now, um, they still are relevant for modern life. Stephen, will you speak to that? Yeah. For us? Um, when we consider what Jesus called us, he called us salt of the earth. He called us light of the world. Uh, we have this, this reality, don't we, that uh, upon salvation, we, we are now adopted into a family. There is no personal Christianity. It is really communal. It is covenantal, uh, if I could be so bold as to say that. Right, and then you think about this letter. If, if you were listening as I was reading, this this letter was was addressed to Philemon, Aphia, Archippus, and the church that meets in your house. This is a communal letter. This is not a private, just for him. In fact, in those times, mostly every letter would have been read aloud to the entire church, and so there were ears and subsequently eyes placed on Philemon uh, from everybody that met in his house. And so that's one thing for us to remember as we are reading uh, not just this book, but other texts, um, they have a covenantal aspect that we must always keep in sight, right? And we've actually learned this through COVID, right? Uh, a lot of us have suffered from uh, a lack of being around people. Uh, those of, those of uh, us who are single, um, have suffered a lot and not having community because we are by nature communal people and God knew exactly what he was doing when he began to place people into his family. And so it's, it's, it's helpful. Uh, it's, it's critical that, that we, we remember God knows us. He sees us. He is, he is constructed a book inspired by his spirit. Um, to, to really encourage us and to push us towards a we and not just a I. It's not just a you, it is us thing. Um, and not only that, um, it, it, it really is a, a, a letter for the church now, right? Everything that, that we read in, in the Bible is a letter for us, notwithstanding cer certain things, uh, is a letter for us now. It is something morally, um, obligatory to us now. There, there's this reality that uh, how, how we treat our neighbor, which is really anybody that we come in contact with, um, has actually been prescribed by our Lord and our Savior in the Word of God. And so we want to be faithful. Um, That's something that we talked about going back to this last summer. Uh, we, we've just really wanted to hone in on the communal covenantal aspect of this letter and how we can actually shape us. So we can, we wanna definitely bless you guys here in town, but the other places that we serve and, and anyone who's jumping in, we want the unity of the spirit to be maintained and to thrive and to flourish here. And so that 
once the seminars are done and the sermon is preached, it's not just a thought of, wow, that was a really cool book. Okay, let's move on. But it's more so a thought of, wow, Jesus is, has actually shown us through this book of 25 verses, uh, about 334 Greek words, he has shown us how to love our neighbor. He has shown us how to love our God. He has shown us how to be encouraged and, and to live out our faith, right? We're called to work out our faith through uh, trembling and fear. Um, and we can do that together because we need each other. Saints, I, I, don't, I don't know everybody on the screen. I look forward to seeing you guys uh, face to face. Lord willing, without mask, right? <laughs> Be able to shake hands and give hugs. That's just kind of the person that I am. Um, but we are covenantally connected because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that as we go through this book and any other text that we, we pull into. And so that's just a crucial thing for us to make known right now where we're coming from. Good. Um, let's unpack that a little bit okay. if we can, Stephen. Uh, so you said something that, that I think is really important. Um, say, tell us a little bit more about the context in which this letter would have first been read. Mm. Um, who, who was reading it? Who was hearing it? What setting were they in? You mentioned that very briefly, but yeah. let's unpack it a bit. So this, this letter would have uh, been written by Paul while he's in prison, house arrest. And then the carrier, we, we believe, I believe I should say to be Epaphras uh, and and get this. So the slave that went to Paul is now being a carrier of a letter that's addressing him and his now covenantal relationship with his slave owner that we're hoping is going to change. He's probably, he has a lot of emotion as he's traveling back to the place from which he came. And, and then this letter is going to then been read to the entire church that met in his house, in Philemon's house. So as they're, they're sitting there having a, a time of worship and communion and a breaking of bread. And they're going to hear this letter from this courier who also carried the same letter to the book that we know as Colossians. And it's going to be read in the hearing of everybody. Yeah. I mean, you talk about pressure, right? We, <laughs> we sometimes want certain things kind of, oh, I don't want anybody else to see this. This is just between me and so-and-so. Well, this is for us. This is for the body. So now just the amount of pressure, the amount of covenantal obligation, the amount of holding one accountable, the amount of loving one another is going to be uh, put on display as this letter is read. So in, in that sense, the, uh, the whole congregation is going to be observing Philemon. Yes. And Onesimus, yes. and watching how do these two men relate to one another, mm. and and it's the impact of that is going to be far bigger than just two people, mm. one relationship. Mm -hmm. It it impacts the whole community, mm -hmm. the whole church, and and this brings us back to a couple of things that we've said already. Uh, one is that that we don't want to make the text say something it isn't, mm -hmm. but we also want to hear everything it's saying. Mm -hmm. So we have to read it on its terms. Now, in our world, we tend to think of receiving a letter addressed to us as a private affair. Right. Right. You walk out to the mailbox, <laughs> you open the lid, you, you pull it out. It's got your name on it. 
Now, you don't expect anybody else in your house to open that letter because it's got your name on it. And so we see, oh, this is the letter of Paul to Philemon. That's what my Bible says. Um, well, that's a title created by the editors of your Bible, right? Paul wrote this on the outside of the envelope, so to speak. <laughs> to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, uh -huh. and Archippus, and the church that meets at your house. So this was not a private event. This yeah. was not walking out to the mailbox. You get your letter with your name on it. It's just private for you. And you go, oh, I think the gospel has something to say for how I relate to Onesimus. Mm -hmm. So now me and Onesimus are going to go have this one-on-one -on -one conversation in the corner. Yeah. But that's not happening at all. Mm -hmm. um, here are probably two brothers. Uh Epaphras, mentioned in the book of Colossians, uh -huh. Onesimus, coming from Paul. They've got this letter, and they're bringing it into a worship meeting. And, and um, something is going to be read in worship. Uh -huh. Now, if you're a Jewish worshiper, what was read in worship was the scriptures. Uh -huh. And so when the New Testament uh, epistles start to be read in worship, it's a way of saying these are scriptures too. So now this book that carries the authority of scripture yeah. written by an apostle mm -hmm. and addressed to the whole church being read out loud in a public worship meeting. Yeah. And Stephen keeps using the word pressure, right? Pressure. Like yes. Philemon is there going, <laughs> ah, boy, now every, everybody has just heard. Yes that because I'm a leader in this church, the church that meets at your house, mm -hmm. and we don't know exactly what kind of leader he was. Some right. people think he was a pastor, and some people think maybe he's just hosting the church, mm -hmm. or maybe something in between that spectrum. But he's a public, well-known figure, yeah. and now the whole church is hearing, hey, the gospel about Jesus has something to say about this relationship between this man and this man, and the whole community is going to watch that unfold. And so those are some of the reasons why we want to hear everything the text has to say. This is not just a private letter about a private relationship and private reconciliation between two individuals. Yeah. It is that, but it's so much more so much than more. that. And yeah. so that's why we believe that it continues to have significance for us yeah. um, today and, and for the whole Christian community. And, uh, and, and not just in one century, but every century, not just one relationship to people, yeah. but all relationships among those who follow Jesus. Yeah. And that's going to have implications for how we love our neighbors yeah. and even, outside the church as well. And even to add to that, uh, this brings a sense of cultural currency. Um, I'll, I'll explain that, you know, as we go further, but to understand uh, when, when the gospel in John 13 says they will know us by our love for one another. Hmm. Imagine having that on your mind. <laughs> Imagine having that uh, something that you prize and you hear this letter read. They will know us by our love for one another. Yeah. That should even impact us now as we consider the weight and the historical context of this letter. Good. Well, we want to say thanks to everyone for joining us. Um, we're going to wrap up and just a, a brief review of what we're doing in the next few weeks. We're going to keep doing Zoom uh, seminars like this at nine o'clock on Sunday mornings. 
uh, feel free to share the link with others, invite them in. Uh, we're going to do these in different formats each week. Today, this is uh, me and Stephen kind of having an, an orienting conversation. Yeah. Next week, we're going to do a full panel discussion with all the team members. And uh, there are going to be weeks where we will have breakout rooms so that you can discuss how, what are you learning from the Philemon Project? What are you learning? How is God shaping you, challenging you? And uh, there are going to be weeks where we do Q&A using the chat function on Zoom. So you could type in a question and then we'll respond to those. We didn't do that this morning, but um, don't assume that this is the format every week going forward. Right. Uh, we're going to mix it up and uh, have some variety on our 9 a.m. Zoom seminars. And, uh, and then we're going to have sermons as part of our uh, worship service beginning at 1045 uh, here at InTown. And so... Uh, those of you who are able and, and uh, want to join us, you can register and, and come worship on site here at InTown, and then we'll have our uh, service streaming uh, as usual, and we'll, uh, we'll be preaching uh, from scripture texts, either from the book of Philemon or related texts uh, along the way over the next 10 weeks. So invite you to join us for those and uh, pray for us because we are, we're doing something new. Yeah. Um, there's a sense in which, uh, you know, the team preparation of a sermon, four people working together uh, to make sure that we're all in sync, mm. um, that those are some new skills for us. And we have mm. to talk about some sometimes awkward things. Yeah. The other day we were having a conversation and I said something that uh, I didn't realize had stepped over a line. And Luke was gracious to correct me and say, brother, that could be very offensive. So, and you need to know that. So we're having that kind of conversation, give and take, and appreciate your praying for us. Yes. I'm going to take a minute now and pray, and uh, we'll close our time and look forward to seeing you uh, for worship this morning, if you can join us, and next week at 9 a.m. for our next seminar. Let's pray together. Jesus, we talk to you. That's what prayer is. Um, and we talk to you, and we say things that we want to happen in this world. And when we say that, we're acknowledging that we can't change this world, that we are too small, and the world needs to be changed in ways that are so big that only you could do it. So we're asking, Lord Jesus, that you would change the world in which we live, starting with changing us. Change our hearts so that we are ready to hear everything that the scriptures have to say. Change our hearts so that we're ready to, ready to rethink every relationship because of you. Um, that seems a daunting task. That's why we're asking you to do it. It's too big for us, but it's not too big for you. Lord Jesus, this past year has shown us that there are a lot of barriers uh, that have been erected because of racism in our nation and in its history. And we don't understand how to remove all those barriers. Mm -hmm but we believe that they are not compatible with your rule and your life-giving, love-multiplying reign. So teach us what we can do to help to take those barriers down and use the scriptures to lead us in that. Lord, we pray for all the people who have worked behind the scenes to make this morning possible. We thank you for their gifts. We pray for those who are preparing our worship service for later and worship services at sister churches across this city and around the globe, we ask that you would strengthen each of them, that we, they would keep their eyes on you so that 
many others in many places could know you more. This is the thing we need more than anything else. This is the thing we crave more than everything else put together. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us.